Bonanian. You can't assume or believe that you're the only guy to ever see that problem. It's a big world out there, and somebody else has seen it. And the value of community is really coming full circle, and you can see it in a lot of the organizations that are being set up for mechanics to help mechanics. The Car Doctor. I'm not afraid to drive it from uh, Des Moines to Omaha. I stay off of Interstate 80 system because when the semi passes you at 70 mile an hour and you're doing 50, it has a tendency to suck you off the road. Well, yeah, it's got to look pretty cool to a 38 Chevy on Route 80. That's got to be pretty neat, you know. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Nini, the car doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Let's kick the garage doors open right away as we've got a very busy hour coming up for you. And let's go talk to Dan in Wallingford, Connecticut. Dan, welcome back, sir. How's the status of this Jeep uh, Compass wiper blade issue? Hey, Ron, I did what you told me. I took it back to the, uh, the the dealer on the shoreline, the Jeep dealer where she bought it. He uh, he put a motor in. He said that the motor made the engine smoke. Then he said he the uh, they they replaced the they switched the tip them from another Jeep, and that made everything work. Okay. So uh, you know, I picked the Jeep up, and um, I didn't see it right away. But when I when I pulled out, the windshield was cracked, and I had a I think it's the airbag lights on. So. <laughs> God. He gave me a hard time. He said he said that I broke it, the windshield. He said the mechanic didn't see it, but he said that he did see the crack when the car went out. But um, anyways, I got a, a check engine light and an airbag light on. I'm not sure I should go back to him. Yeah, I kind of... I mean, listen, I, I, it, not in defense of anybody, but just having walked in these shoes for 43 years... I've been there. You know, it's it's you take the car out, you fix the car, then you take it out for its last road test, and you go, oh, look at the crack in the windshield. Um, it's it's down in a corner, or it's off to the side. You know, your 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 mind is focused on on on, on what you're trying to accomplish at that point. Um, uh, and then when you talk to the customer, they go, oh yeah, it's been cracked for two weeks, so you feel better. But you know, so did they crack the windshield? <laughs> you know, listen, putting it up in the air can crack the windshield on a car today. If there's a rust blister under the window frame, under the under the windshield frame, and it just kind of you know irritates and rubs the glass the wrong way, so I don't know if that's the fault of the mechanic, the lift, the car, what have you. I'd focus yeah, okay. mo- I'd focus more on the check. Here, let me ask you this question, okay? You take the car into your favorite mechanic. He puts the driver's window down because in my shop we always put the windows down. It's shop policy. Driver's window goes down in order to reach in for the key, because a lot of times when the car's on the lift, we can't open the door and so on. If the window goes down and it falls into the door, who's paying for it? Yeah, right. I, I didn't think of it that way. Who's, whose fault is it? Um, you know, so in defense of them, you know, and the odds are, so let's give them something to handle. Let's go back and talk to them and say, listen, you fixed the wipers. I get it. Maybe when you put the car up in the air, if you did, or maybe just road testing the car. Okay, maybe the windshield got whacked. I understand that. Can you help me out? Can you give me a, a, a decent price on on getting the windshield replaced? But what about the check engine and airbag light? You know, 
as a civilization, we tend to beat up on each other too much. Let's give somebody a chance. Let's see how they handle it. Now, if the guy comes back to you and says, no way, take a hike, it's all you, blah, 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 blah. Hey, you, you know what, okay. Dan? You just yeah. got the most important, valuable piece of information about this guy, and you got it for free. You, you, you know what he's made of, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. whereas instead of, hey, let's come back and, you know, Yogi Berra said it best, right, brother? It ain't over till it's over. And, okay, Ron, but you, you did give me the right call, so thank you. You're very welcome, sir. You let me know what happens. Okay, you, take care. Bye. You take good care. Let's go over to John in Missouri, 16 Chevy Cruze. Yeah, John, how can I help today, sir? Hey, Ron, thank you for taking my call today. Uh, it's my son, lost car, 16,000, 1.4 turbo. He was uh, getting the check engine light before I got involved. He took it to the dealer. Young family, newborn baby, barely making ends meet. They said it was a turbo and a cat, so... He, he uh, he has the intelligence to change the turbo and the cat on it, and uh, it's still doing the same thing, which was putting oil into the intake system. Okay. So we, um, uh, I heard there's a PCV valve problem. I took the intake off, looked at the little flapper PCV valve for what they call it. It looks like a little rubber disc. It was there. We cleaned it with some alcohol, put the intake back on, still having the same problem. I mean, massive amounts of oil are going into the intercooler the intake these are known the older models excuse me are known for cracking piston yep piston lands yep i did a compression check and maybe that won't show up but it was like 220 which was like wow i was impressed with that kind of compression yeah but before I, 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 go I, pull, I would also like to see a cylinder leak down test if we could do it but be, be, i have the capability yeah. okay let's do a cylinder leak down test but before we go there you know, the question I'm going to ask you is, how's the valve cover? Because the PCVs go bad so often in the cover, and that'll create pure havoc. It's on back order. That's on back order. So that is a, that is our next step before we go pulling ahead or something like that. Any, um, any check engine light on, John? It, it was off after he had the turbo on, and then when we drove it again, you could feel it bogging down, blowing out plumes of smoke. I mean, there's no mosquitoes in that area anymore. Right. And um, then the check engine light came, came on for an Inefficient cat. I don't have the code here in front of me. Zero four twenty. Yeah. You know, uh, and and you know, inefficient cat. After he changed the cat. After he changed the cat. After we put probably four quarts of oil through it again, uh, on the little twenty-five mile drive we took. I, I'm exaggerating when I say four. Two quarts of oil and about a twenty-five mile drive. Still, two quarts of oil is excessive. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's that's a lot. I'm gonna yeah. tell you that I a I would I would stop driving the car. Right. Yeah, it's it's been parked. Yeah, you know, we just um, I we would get a, a quick drive. I would get a valve cover on this. I would get your hands on GM has a service bulletin, um, PIO eight fifty, which is an internal bulletin. You can probably get your hands on it. There's probably an external copy of that too, and it talks about um, the PCV orifice. It talks about the external port for the PCV um, having vacuum to it. You know, and basically it describes the issues with the um, uh, valve cover. But they also talk about the non-return valve, which is um, in bulletin uh, 5197, if I remember right. Again, GM internal bulletins, which sometimes they make their way out. Now, they talk about, you know, that bulletin, problems with the PCV system. They want you to change the intake. They don't want it cleaned. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a bunch of bulletins, a bunch of information. I like where you're going with this, brother. I would start with doing uh, valve cover first. And then work my way back out, but start reading and looking for information. Let me give you my email, Ron at okay. Ron at CardDoctorShow.com. 
If you can't okay. get anywhere, send me the vehicle, Vin. Tell me who you are, and I'll see what bulletins I can find, and I can email them to you. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, thanks, Tom, for getting me on today. Thank you, you guys. You're welcome, sir. You take good care. Let's go over and talk to Bob in Rhode Island, 04 Dodge, and uh, some problems with putting gas in the tank, which I guess you probably have to do quite often. It's a Hemi. Yeah, Bob, what's going on here? Bob? Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, the gas just won't go in without spurging back out unless they put it on real slow. And everybody wants an arm and a leg to look into the situation, and uh, they can't tell me they're going to fix it under 300 bucks. Now, I, I'd like to know if I can get a quick fix. Well, I don't know if there is necessarily a quick fix. What's, what could be going on here, is there a check engine light on on the dashboard at all? No. Okay. So how long has this problem been going on? Well, right now it's going on a steady six months okay. or eight months after the after the new gas tank, new uh, fuel pump, I'm sorry, the, uh, alleviated the problem, but now it's acting up again. And uh, I thought maybe you could blow some air in here and there, but I don't know where to start. No. It, it, so, so this had a problem. This had this problem. Somebody put in a fuel pump and a tank. No, not the tank. They just put in a fuel pump, but they had to take the tank down. Okay, so the problem started after they took the tank down? It's It was before the tank was brought down, but after they fixed it, it the gas was going in good for about a year, and now it's acting up again. Okay. So, so this, okay. So this was a while ago. They had the tank down. They had to put a pump in it. That fixed that problem. Was the gas a problem before they put the fuel pump in it? Yes, and that's what fixed it. So I was happy for a while. Okay. But I, I, I had to go put the gas tank, put the gas in the truck in a, you know, zero weather and wait 10 minutes instead of one minute. Right. So you ever, you ever try to fill a gas can on the ground and the, the vent cap is... Is still on it? Bob? Uh, yes. Right. Same problem. The pump clicks off a half a dozen times, right? Probably. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. So so on your truck, there's a vent valve. Um, all cars have it. They've got to have a vent. They've got to have a charcoal canister. If that canister is clogged, if that vent valve is restricted, if that vent valve is not open when the vehicle is turned off, it's going to do exactly what you're describing. The other thing that's common, so a vent valve issue could be it. I can't tell you if it's under 300 bucks or not. Um, the other issue to be aware of is that the um, filler neck itself could have a problem. I've seen the filler necks collapse, and they'll cause external pressure. I don't know if you can really look at this as, for 300 bucks you can't get it fixed. I think you've got to spend an hour of a shop's time somewhere, an hour, an hour and a half, 100 150 200 bucks. Somebody's got to diagnose it. Because it's just too complicated and there's too many possibilities. No, sir, I don't have a quick, easy fix for you. Um, because anything I could suggest would be a guess from my seat. Um, I would tell you that it would be a matter of switching around the vent, trying to put fuel in it. Does that make any difference? Opening up the neck, does that make any difference? Things like that. But it's, it's all going to take some time and diagnostics. So, But those are the things that people should be looking for. It may or may not be related to what was repaired the last time. But the fact that they repaired it the last time, I would encourage you to go back and talk to them and say, hey, listen, you did it once. Can you do it again? They know the vehicle. And knowing the vehicle is half the repair right there in my mind. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. 
Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. David, Iowa, you got two minutes, babe. What's going on? What's on your mind? Hey, I got uh, two quick things. I'll try to talk faster. I know you got a lot of people out there waiting on the calls. Yep. Uh, the guy that called in about the oil in the, uh, the water in the oil pan. Right. When we were kids, we used to pour oil in the water can because we were honoring in hell. Okay. And uh, I don't know if that might have. He might take a look at that. You know. But uh, could that possibly be a crack somewhere in the block? Yeah, but then wh- the why isn't there coolant coming out, and why does he never add coolant to it? So if, if you recall the call, he said that the, the toolboxes in his garage get soaking wet, too. So I'm thinking it's environment. But, but you know, it would be interesting. What I said to Tom after we got off the air with that call is I said, I wonder if he's got a house nearby out of the area. Go park the car at somebody else's house. Is it the environment? Yeah. Is the environment of that house? Let's prove it's not the car. Let's prove it. The it's the environment, and then we'll figure out step two. But you know, I get it. I yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from, David. Oh uh, yeah. The other point was uh, my my dad when I was growing up. He told me uh, that I was an expert. Okay, and uh, he said I'll tell you why. He said uh, because number one, if you look it up in the next dictionary, uh, X means unknown, and a spurt is a small grip under pressure. So he said, never call yourself an expert unless you know what the hell you're talking about. That's right. And, always, and always, always make sure you can explain it to somebody like you're talking to a four-year-old because then you really know what you're talking about. David, I love you. I got to go. Let's get over to Dave in New York. Dave, 13 Dodge Grand Caravan. What's going on here? Hey, Ron. How are you? All right, here? sir. Um, I got a P0480 okay. on the caravan. Right. I checked from the relays to the fan. You know, I made a little jumper wire. Right. The, the fan works. Okay. Fan comes on, no problem. Both relays. Swap the headlight relay with the main relay, the, the fan relay, because they're the same. Still get the code. Um, I got a scan tool. Um, I scanned it, and um, for a while there, when you did the key dance in the car, I couldn't get the P0480 to pop up. Took the battery terminal off, waited 10 minutes, hooked it back up again. Now I get the P0480 code, but the if I clear the check engine light, it comes back on the second the high speed fan kicks in. Okay, so here let's let's do let's do it like this. Is your scan tool have bi directional control? Can you actuate things? No, it's an old Actron, and all I could see is like the PIDs. Okay, that's all so, right. That's all right. Um, everybody, everybody should get a scan tool for Father's Day or Christmas or the holidays or whatever. You, you got to have at least one. All right. So let's talk about why does P zero four eighty set P zero four eighty sets because the PCM comes up the temperature, sees engine temperature come up, and it commands the low speed cooling fan on. But it doesn't. Yep. It doesn't see the fan come on by virtue of um, either the switch or the voltage drop across the relay, knowing that the fan's not running. So it's just saying P zero four eighty cooling fan circuit. It doesn't really give you much more than that, right? So uh, right. Y- you know what what they want you to do is hook up a scan tool, bi-directional can I- control. Can you can you turn on the low speed fan? If I it- did turn on the low speed fan without the with the relay pulled. Right. And I could run it through that little um, resistor block that sits up by the fan. Right. And I read online that that should be like a 1,000 ohm resistance, but it wasn't. I changed it out anyway. I put a new one in from Mopar, still got the same code. 
You're saying you changed so, the you changed the tipum or you changed the resistor block? I changed the resistor block. Okay. Because the piece that powers the relay is the more common. It's the, the, the totally integrated power module. That's what I was thinking it was, but I wanted to hear it from your mouth right. first. <laughs> and it's probably going to take a dealer to do it or somebody that has Chrysler Flash capability. And that's, that's likely where you're What do you think about headed. buying one that's set up for your VIN online or something no. on eBay? Or I've, I've never done it. Scary? You know, yeah, I don't know. It's, I've never done it, and I don't know. What am I really saving? Um you right, know, right. it's it's I you know auto repair is becoming a case of you need a voice at the other end of the phone to talk to, and you know on Saturdays and weekends it's me, but Monday through Friday it's got to be somebody, and I get it. But you know what are you going to save? A couple of bucks. I, I, right, I'm, right. I, I'm always amazed, and you know I'm kind of getting I'm getting ornery in my old age because people are bringing me these headache cars and they don't understand why they can't get in the door. I've got a three week backlog. Because I've got these regular customers that for forty years have been, you know, paying the bills and keeping the lights on and everything else, and you know, you got to have a relationship with a mechanic. Is my point. So it's it's a right, it's, right. it's it's a good time to start finding the good one. That's the <laughs> yeah. that's that's the problem, brother. I get it. It's so. the only relationship I have is with myself, unfortunately, for now. Yep. So that's yep. I'm I gonna see. It. I'm gonna see what I can find and get one and. Right. Um, I'll, I'll shoot you an email. Let you know what happens. I heard there was a big recall on these things. There, there was. Looking. There's a, there's a lot of problems with the tip. Of them. I wouldn't be surprised if you find out it's on intergalactic outer space backorder. Now, just one last thing. The reason they want you to use a scan tool to actuate the fan is because they want to see the, the the tool tell the computer to tell the tip them or the relay. They want to see the whole chain of events. They want to know that there's circuit continuity through. Bypassing everything and doing it manually, yeah, proves the fan works, the relay works. It doesn't prove the circuit works. So that's why they want you to do it that way. Just keep that in mind. But I understand what you're doing. Good luck. Let me know if you need anything else. I'm running in the car doctor. We're back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Some days I wonder what's more fun than listening to me. Ask my kids. Uh, let's, go over to, let's go over to Charles in Virginia, 99 Ford Taurus. Charles, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. What's going on? Uh, thank you for taking my call, Ron. You're welcome. Uh, I have a 99 Ford Taurus. It's uh, oxygen sensors. Uh, code 153 said the oxygen sensor, right bank, sensor 2. Okay. And I, they checked it, uh, and they uh, said it was running a little bit lean. So they changed fuel filter and cleaned the throttle body and said run the uh, uh, cleaner through it, which I did, the Berryman K12. Right. And it came back on. Okay, so let me ask you this, and 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 keep this in mind. There uh-huh. are there are four O twos in this car, and okay. so you always have to keep that in mind when you get a specific sensor fault, and you've got four of the same in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. It can't be that it's running lean, and only one sensor's showing a failure. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. All right. It would it it would it would affect all of them. So what I'm thinking more of is this. I'm thinking and I'm wondering, do we have... Now, this is, this is a performance code. 
you know, this is this is more along the lines of if you clear this code, it doesn't come back, correct, until you drive the vehicle? Right, right. So, so, you so have to this, drive it maybe 30 miles or something like right. that. Right. This is a performance back. issue. All right. And this is this is bank one sensor one. This should be the upstream O2 before the cat. Okay? okay. If it's a if it's a if it's a a one fifty three, that's bank two sensor one on this vehicle. All right. All right. Before the cat. So, so it should be before the cat. Okay. So why can't we? This is ninety nine. This stuff's kind of cut and dry. If we. I don't know. You ever you ever look at a closed circuit television camera? Yeah. Okay. You ever look at four channels at once? <laughs> you ever look at four channels at once and all four channels, two of the channels should be doing the same thing and the other two channels should be doing the same thing and you see one that's kind of out of sync, sync and you go, "Wait a minute, what's wrong with that picture?" Uh-huh. So, same thing. Bring it up on a scan tool. Bank 1 sensor 1, bank 2 sensor 1, bank 1 sensor 2, bank 2 sensor 2. Bring it up on a scan tool. And let's watch the four sensors. Graph it. This would be a great thing to graph. And let's physically see this sensor lose its mind. What does it do? Does it go high? Does it go low? Do I have an, Now, you're going to tell me they probably changed the sensor, or they haven't done that yet? They, they haven't done that. What he suggested, uh, well, he said, Roger, I haven't been back to him since he, he's run the Berryman uh, K-12 cleaner through it. Right. And he said, uh, clear code and then do that. I haven't been back yet, but he said maybe it needs uh, 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 wiring and and points or uh, plugs. Okay, here. But I don't know if that would be. You know how you know how a you know how an O2 sensor works, Charles. Uh, not not too much. But I know it. Uh, it's it's a zero in, in in the case of a 99. It's a zero to one volt signal. All right. Uh-huh. If it's got a lot of oxygen, it's going to produce a low voltage. If okay. it's got a lack of oxygen, it's going to produce a high voltage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't we test it? Hook up a scan tool. Watch both O2s. You've already got one O2 that's good on the car, right? The one that's not setting a fault code. We know what we know what the car is supposed to look like. We know what it's supposed to look like because that one's working. So okay. let's let's watch both upstream O2s. Okay. All right. And let's let's give it a test. Let's get them good and hot. Let's take the car for a ride. Let's come back. Let's watch what they do. If we don't see them fail or we don't see the one make its mistake, let's 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 test it. Let's create a vacuum leak. What is what do they do? They should both nosedive. Let's feed them a little artificial fuel. Let's throw a little propane down the throat of the car. Both O2s should peg at nine tenths of a volt or more. If they don't, you've got a lazy O2. Change it. All right, I agree. Okay. I agree with the Berryman stuff. I agree with doing fuel system cleaning, carbon cleaning, older car, higher mileage. I get it, but this is kind of cut and dry to change now or to test. Now, last thing, and then I got to go. I got a lot of calls. Um, you know, the other thing to think about is: could we have a wiring issue? Could we have a PCM issue, meaning the computer can't interpret properly? But that's you know that's nine steps down the road. Let's go right. through some basic O2 testing and diagnostics like I described. Call me back if you got a problem. We'll go from okay, there. Okay, so you suggest uh, uh, having to do a scan, scan tool on the sensors. Scan tool on the sensors. Let's watch, let's watch both upstream sensors. Let's watch both downstream sensors. They should reasonably mirror each other. And if one's showing an extreme difference, in particular the upstream bank one sensor when it sets the code, well, we know maybe we've got a sensor issue. Maybe the sensor's dying a slow death. All right, sir? 
Okay. You give me a call back and email I'll, I'll, I'll mention this to the mechanic. Yeah, and listen, he can also listen to this podcast. He can get up and uh, he can get up and pick it up on radio. Get out if he wants the podcast. This is a live broadcast, but he can. The podcasts go up vis-a-vis our website, cardoctorshow.com, and he can listen. This is the second hour on uh, whatever day this is, the 4th of May. I forget sometimes. I'm not sure where I am. But, uh, yeah, by all means, Charles, thank you. Let's go over to Jim, Minnesota, 04 Jeep Wrangler, tailgate latch issue. Yes, Jim, how can I help you, sir? Yes, uh, my 04 Wrangler. Uh, when you uh, have the back open, that means the lift gate is up, the back tail is swung open. You shut down your top glass lift gate, you shut your back uh, hinged gate with a spare tire on it, and you go. Well, uh, if it's a bit of a bumpy road or whatever, and you get to where you're going, and you don't notice it and it rains out, well, the carpet gets wet in the back, and you look and you can see the window kind of pop actually open a little bit on the bottom okay now uh you go ahead and open up again shut it seals it up uh if you take both doors meaning there's two people in the vehicle and you're getting out and you slam both doors uh, sometimes the pressure actually pops out a little bit um as long as you don't, as long as you're on a smooth road it doesn't open okay so let driving, me l- let me ask you this how come this just can't be a bad latch I, I, there is no latch. As soon as you drop down that tailgate, is just on those two uh, uh, rods. You drop the tailgate down, it just sits there, and then you shut the door latch on the bottom, and it's tight. The door latch is still tight, but the window. Uh, so I'm something, not sure where the latch. Is. Something has to lock the glass to the body, though. The only thing that locks it is that uh, right is the swinging gate. And that's nice and tight. I looked at that. I checked all the bolts on that and the chunk of rubber that comes down. Could it be that and the it rubber could it be that the rubber has collapsed and it's not creating a tight body seal anymore? It's it's possible. Boy, it doesn't look it doesn't look bad because I keep it clean all the time, wiper down good with armor all. Okay, keep so let me ask let me ask you this. What if you put a small wedge of cardboard not a lot. A small wedge of cardboard in the bottom corner of each area where the glass makes contact, where the rubber hits the body. Yes. And then close it. Now you got to be careful. Oh. You don't want to put so much cardboard you distort the glass and break it. But you want to just put enough, you know, a, a thin sliver, an eighth inch or less, just enough to take up the slack. At least you'll know if closing the door and latching the bottom half locks the top. At least you know you've got a a a glass fit to the bottom issue there's no guide okay. pins that there's no guide pins that come down off the glass and lock it into the body no no as soon as you open that tailgate it lifts up the only thing holding it are the two or the rods and then uh, the little piston rods and two hinges two just standard uh metal hinges that go through the glass and then through the top of the right body. this is a wrangler right so this is a hard yes, this, this is a hard top version this is on the hardtop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is a hardtop version. Try shimming it with cardboard. I've seen I've seen the Wrangler hardtops do a bunch of weird things, and it may be that the rubber has collapsed, even though it doesn't look it. Um, it may be the fit of the of the uh, glass itself to the body channel where it supports it, and uh, we can talk about that next week. But try the cardboard trick. Call me back next week. All right. I will do that. All right, Thank sir. You. you take good care. Let's get over. Let's pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. 
Carr Man and the Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Let's go over to Hope in Boston. How are you today, Hope? How are you doing, Ron? Yes, Love your show. Yes, sir. Hey, I'd like to thank you for your advice uh, about that uh, horse speed sense, I believe, uh, well, about three, four months ago. Okay. Um, you did uh, advise me of where to look, and I think I was looking in the wrong places of all things, and uh, of course that call saved me a lot, and it's working fine, and uh, thank you very much. You're very welcome, sir. Um, you know, that's, that's, also, that's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I also did the steering rack on this baby, but uh, I don't know why it takes two days to do these things these days. I mean, you have to make sure the clock spring is, you know, straight right. and the rack is whatever and align the rack. Why is it so complicated? Because people will continue to buy complicated cars. I always I always say that. You know, it's it's listen, in nineteen eighty six General Motors came out with the Buick Riviera with touchscreen technology. Did you know that? <laughs> We had, we had touchscreen. We had touchscreen technology in 1986, uh, where wow. the, where the radio and the temperature controls were all right in the center of the dashboard, and uh, that was supposed to be the big seller. Okay, Buick yeah. Rivieras and old Toronados, I think it was the Trofeos. Right. And when the model year was done, dealers had rows upon rows of those cars sitting on their back lots that they couldn't sell because. What, what, what General Motors found out was the, the one flaw in the plan is that touchscreen technology, the way it was designed, in order to use it, you had to take right. your eyes off the road. So, you know, so many people got into accidents looking down to change the radio station and like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, you know, you know, so it just proves the point. People will stop buying, they'll stop making the cars that are so complicated if we stop buying the cars that are so complicated. Uh. You know, it's, it's Listen, we have a lot of we have a lot of power. You could change an alternator in the nineteen fifty one Stud Baker Champion in thirty minutes or fifteen. Right. Not today. Not today. Well, you know, and the fact is, and, and then I've got to go, that the, the technology is there. We want the technology. We're also trying to clean the environment. It's, you know, it's a very complicated situation these days with, with the world the way it is and the fuel resources and electric, gas, diesel, and so on and so forth. But suffice it to say that if you think it's complicated now, the 2014-2015 model years are the last of what I consider the good cars. The 16s, the 17s, the 18s, the 19s, and beyond, you're going to see higher labor costs. You're going to see more expensive repairs. You're going to see more technology. And you're going to see people pushed into those cars because the older cars, the parts aren't going to be available, and there's no way to fix them at that point. You know, I pity the guy that went out and bought a 2010 Corvette. And I think about it all the time. Corvettes come out with some really great cars, 10s, the 9s, the 8s. Because in 20 years, where are you going to get the parts to make that car run in terms of the body computer and everything else? I don't think you're going to see it. It's not like a, uh, a pre-70s Corvette. So, But anyway, um, I appreciate the call, sir. You have a good rest of the afternoon. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Talking about Shaft. Yeah, Ron and Andy the car doctor here. Let's go over and talk to Bill in Iowa. Bill, 38 Chevy Coupe. Welcome back, sir. What's going on? Hey, great. It's a super day. I'm getting ready for a scoop the loop tonight. Cool beans. And it made me think I got caught in the dark years ago, and I didn't have bright lights okay. on that coupe, okay? Okay. So I bought me new Hallinger bulbs. They fit right in. 
I'm in my car garage, putting them in, setting the dimmer switch and everything, and I still had no bright lights. My problem was the ground was rusty. Yeah, I would I would think so, sure. You have two wires coming from the dimmer switch, and they were good. And then, bingo, I took emery cloth, cleaned up the ground wire. I got perfect lights today. Yeah, but that... The problem, go ahead. But the problem is... <laughs> That car was never designed with a dimmer indicator, whether you're on high beam or low beam. Okay. So how would I go about wiring something in there? Well, you'd, you'd have to tap into the high beam circuit so that okay. when, when you power the high beam circuit on, an indicator comes up somewhere. So you've got to get creative. Look at the dash cluster. Uh, you know, do you have do you have an auxiliary? oil pressure gauge on this? Do you have a gauge? Do you have a repetitive yes. gauge in an idiot light somewhere? Yes, I have Stuart Warner gauges for oil pressure and uh, electrical okay. you know, charge. So so why can't we make it that if we tap into one of the two speedometer icons, you know, what do you have, a little red dot for overheat or low oil pressure or something? I got movable gauges for uh, oil pressure movable gauge for uh, uh, temperature, and I got a movable gauge for electricity. Right, but is but there is, yeah. the, is there is there um, a, 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 an idiot light display, for lack of a better term? Let's say if um, it had no oil pressure, factory, no. would a red no. light come on? Nope, nope, nope. Okay. It's all stock. You got to remember, I got a stock. Well, console. yeah, but that's gotta, but, yeah. Yeah, to my point. You know what did what did, what did a thirty eight Chevy instrument cluster have in the way of an idiot light? Did it have anything? Nothing. Nothing. Then we've got to come up no. with an auxiliary light somewhere. Right. Just yep. just but you would you know mount an auxiliary light an auxiliary LED something somewhere yep. out of the, you could even put it on the floor for all you care. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, anywhere. Just, just anywhere. Um, you could you could mount it outside external of the body as long as it's waterproof and yeah. sealed and and yeah. you know just when you put the high beams on you'll know. Um, yeah. e- easy enough. I mean I I would also think that you would know by what's bright what's 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 yes. you know yes. it's yeah you know it's kind yeah, of so a common my next, sense my, thing. my next question is the fuel gauge is the stock fuel gauge in the console and it works right and the gauge works in the tank right to send the signal but when i turn the ignition on i always read maximum on my fuel gauge so i've got to have a short ground short or something well you have a ground short yeah you'd have to go through it's a simple circuit right it's just a resistance value variable in the tank you'd have to go through that look at the wiring to the gauge itself call me back next week i'm running any of the car doctor the mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless